try to just keep food in as close to its natural state as possible. If you're looking at something and you cannot imagine where it came from or what it used to be, you probably shouldn't be eating it. (laughs) You're listening to the Well Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's menstrual cycle educator, natural fertility coach, and daytime mermaid. This is a place where we discuss all things periods, poo, ovulation, fertility, and sex. Join me weekly as we rediscover our menstrual cycles, unlock its superpowers, and guide you back into your cyclical nature. Welcome back to the Well Woman podcast. You are tuning into our pregnancy series, a very, very special series that we are exploring through my own pregnancy experiences too. This is episode 244 and our guest today is Mia Robinson. This isn't Mia's first time on the show. I've actually known Mia since the very early stages of my you could say career in the nutrition and health industry, which is you know spanning over more than 15 years. And I'm so, so excited to have Mia here discussing with us today the topic of nutrition for preconception and pregnancy care. This is a really dynamic topic. And the reason why I've asked Mia to come and join us and have this conversation with me is because she is very passionate about empowering women to support their health holistically and hormonally. She is the owner of Femme 21, the creator of an amazing herbal superfood blend for women in balancing their hormones. Along with running her own business and being a naturopathic clinical practitioner for the last 17 years, Mia is also a mom of two where she lives with with me, not in the same house as me, but lives here locally with me on the Gold Coast in Australia. And she's beyond passionate about guiding women in helping them understand confidence with their bodies, their hormones, and their cycles. Now, nutritionally, Mia knows the insides and outsides of preconception care after having worked in a fertility clinic herself in the past. So, we are like, we're really diving into like, well, what do we actually need to do preconception wise for nutrition? What are the micronutrients that are really important in that preconception timeline? Does this really just apply for women or what about men in heterosexual couples and how can they contribute to the preconception care? What can they do to support? We have a nice little side tangent on egg quality and what we can do around our age brackets of fertility and preparing for conception along with helping support good egg quality. And then, of course, how can we connect as a partnership to make this a relationship task of preconception planning, not just a task for a potential birther? So this is really, really juicy episode. Make sure you have a pen and paper with you because there are a number of micronutrients and bits and pieces and tips that Mia is sharing in this episode, and you're going to want to write them down. Mia, welcome back to the Well Woman podcast. Thank you, Gemma. I'm so happy to connect with you again. It's lovely to be here. I appreciate you inviting me on. You are welcome. And I appreciate you being here. We've known each other for a very, very long time and yes. have been a guest on the podcast for like a long, long time ago. Yeah. But you're here to talk about things to leading to pregnancy with nutrition. And this is totally your jam because I'm going to let you introduce yourself. I won't, you know, do that and share all the things because they're all wonderful. But you really are the perfect person I knew in my community that I could have this conversation with because literally everything to do with women, hormones, conception, fertility, health is really your jam, right? 
That is my jam. I've been a naturopath for 17 years and I started out um, working in a fertility clinic on the Gold Coast, really busy fertility clinic, and just jumped in the deep end looking after patients in their fertility journey and pregnancy journey and then um, sort of expanded my wings into more general women's health in practice um, and, yeah, just absolutely love help, helping women through, supporting women through that stage. Such a beautiful thing as they're going through that journey of, you know, preconception, fertility, and, and then their pregnancy and, and into motherhood. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. So absolutely happy for, you know, happy to be here sharing info. And I'm so happy for you in this stage as well of your pregnancy and, you know, how everything's ticking along for you. It's, it's a new, new beginning. It is. It is kind of like a ticking bomb. Like the bomb will explode soon. (laughs) But it's so beautiful that you've been in this game for such a long time because over the last 17 years, I would just want to touch on the fact that you have probably seen the change in, let's just call it the change in interest where people aren't just learning about fertility because they're having fertility challenges they're actually learning about fertility to like improve their cycle health yeah. and then understand that well before they even want to fall pregnant. That could be multiple years before pregnancy. Have you seen big shifts in that in the last 17 years in women's health and fertility and preconception stuff? I would definitely say when I first started out, it was a lot of education around, you know, um, prepping your body prior to pregnancy, you know, people weren't sort of aware that, oh, you know, I might need to detox or improve my lifestyle or, you know, work on my nutritional deficiencies or whatever, you know, they just had this expectation that it would just happen. And then when it didn't, it was like, oh, you know, what's wrong with me and what can I do to fix it? Um, And so a lot of education at that point around, you know, supporting the body to to rebalance your hormones and and work on your stress and your adrenals and adjust your lifestyle and improve your gut health and your liver and your overall health holistically to create that environment that's, you know, perfect for, for pregnancy. But now, like I would say, especially like women in their, say, 20s and early 30s, you know, are coming into, okay, well, I'm thinking about having a baby in, you know, six months or 12 months or something down the track, but what can I do, you know, now to help balance out my cycle? You know, I've got PCOS or an irregular ovulatory pattern or um, endometriosis or, you know, I've just come off the pill and I'm not ovulating, not having a period. So, you know, I want to make sure everything's okay, but not to fall pregnant next month, but to, you know, look after myself and make sure everything's good for for down the track. So, yeah, definitely a shift. And I think it's just awareness, isn't it? Like, you know, social media and Instagram and access to information on the internet is is so much richer now. Um, and there's a lot more support and, and knowledge out there for women in that stage 
um, you know, preconception wise. And it's not just, oh, I have infertility. It's like, okay, well, I'm in a preconception phase. I'm looking after my health as best as I possibly can. And then we'll start trying when we're ready, you know. And it's funny that we forget that we've always had the opportunity to prepare for this. Yeah. But it hasn't been educated on. And so I think that's been like a really big missing piece. And, you know, we could talk about the fact that, you know, it's more heard of now to come off hormonal contraception and that journey of doing that before, you know, before conceiving and et cetera, et cetera. And I know for me, um, you know, finding out that I had PCOS back in early 2014 was really like a catalyst for me being like, how come I've been in, you know, nutrition and health for a long time and no one's ever mentioned to me about the menstrual cycle. Mm-hmm. Like I need to learn about this. And so um, I think it's wonderful that people are really starting to clue on to like, hey, this is actually a foundational part of life and having a fertile cycle is actually having a healthy cycle. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about preconception and the nutritional aspects of preconception because I think a lot of people think, oh, it's three months before we want to conceive. I should just take a prenatal, right? (laughs) So like what's really important to consider in preconception care nutritionally? And what would you recommend to clients and couples to proactively do in this preconception phase? And how long does preconception phases need to be? Because I feel like I've been in preconception phase for 10 years, you know, (laughs) since having PCOS. I'm like, I've been ready. I've been like yeah. prepping. I'm just waiting for the right man to show up in my life. As I would keep telling our friend Teresa, I'm like, just waiting for the right man to show up. Um, but yeah, how would you answer the phase time? Um, what's optimal? What's like, you know, non-optimal, if there is a non-optimal? Um, and then what would you consider to be really important as preconception care nutritionally? Yeah. So the time frame, you know, is important, I would say. Like if you've got the luxury of planning, then I would ideally say three to six months is a good sort of time frame to consider for preconception. Um, it really allows both you and your partner to get your ducks in a row, essentially, in terms of your health. So we've got to consider that the sperm turnover time is three months for men. Um, so if they're making a change today, it's not necessarily going to be reflected in their sperm health for another three months. So giving yourself that minimum sort of time frame is going to be helpful for men. For women, it's a little longer because we've got follicular development time within the ovaries uh, prior to the egg developing inside that follicle. So that's why I say, you know, for women, if you can give it that that six months, that would be great. Um, but three months is, is helpful too because then at least you're taking into consideration the egg development time within the follicle of the three months. And then you've got that three-month time frame for, for the turnover for sperm as well. Um, and nutritionally, you know, to keep it super simple, What I would say is do like you would do if you were pregnant in the preconception phase. (laughs) Very simple. So, you know, are you drinking when you're pregnant? No. 
Are you drinking coffee when you're pregnant? No. Are you smoking when you're pregnant? No. Are you eating healthy, you know, because you're you're supporting the life and the growth of the baby inside you, you know. So doing those things preconception-wise, you know, is definitely just a good, simple thing to sort of consider. But a big one is definitely the support of, antioxidants in your diet to improve egg quality and also nutritionally supporting any like detoxification of heavy metals, um, getting your your nutrient balance right, like with your zinc levels and your iron and magnesium and your B vitamins and ensuring that methylation's healthy with adequate levels of folate and B12 so that um, you know, when the embryo is developing in that those early stages, you've got all of those nutrients there to help support, um, you know, that DNA replication in those cells, which happens really, really quickly. Um, so yeah, having efficient methylation and the, and the nutrients to support that is important and antioxidants is a huge one. So, you know, you're wanting to think, think of, um, you know, CoQ10 and vitamin C and all your like um, antioxidants from fruit and veg, you know, your resveratrols, your blueberries, your green leafies are all going to be really helpful having your, your pro- protein sorted as well. So you've got your macros as well as your micros looking after you, your healthy fats that are obviously very important for a quality and um you know cellular health and your egg that you release at ovulation is the largest cell in the female body um, so cool so cool and so cellular health is such a big one when it comes to egg quality so you want to consider you know that lipid layer of that cell and ensuring that you've got adequate omegas and good fats in your diet and then you're wanting to ensure that that cell is working really efficiently inside there uh with you know healthy methylation and healthy mitochondria um so that cell's you know, got plenty of energy and and can can withstand um, the journey of popping out of the ovary <laughs> through the fallopian tubes and meeting the sperm. You know, yeah, it's um. There's so much in that that you just shared. I love how simple you make it by like, hey, just do what you would want to do in pregnancy. Yeah, because we like. Let's face it, we really live in a world where everyone has it totally different fucking opinion excuse yeah. my language and then that makes it really bloody confusing <laughs> and then we're over confused and then we don't know what to do so we just don't do anything because we're too confused yeah. about what to do and I think it really comes back to like keeping it simple and that's such a simple thing to do and most people know what changes they would make for a pregnancy mm-hmm. so applying them to preconception is like so simple so I love that it's really really good I also just want to backtrack to the preconception time frame thing because, you know, some people do conceive and they don't plan it. Yes. And I think this really comes back to, you know, if you're sexually active and you're aware that there might be a mis, you know, mishap or, a, or yep. a potentially unplanned pregnancy, similar to what I personally have experienced myself, yep. is if you generally have a healthy cycle and you focus on having a healthy cycle and that you get the adequate nutrients to have a healthy fertile cycle, 
having an unplanned pregnancy doesn't mean that you're not, you're falling behind. Oh, I don't have any of these things ready to go. So my embryo, some people don't find out to like four or six weeks of pregnancy. They're like, fuck, what's been happening for the first four, six weeks. I've been getting only the right things that the baby needs. And, you know, the mitosis process is like so rapid during that time frame. I just wanted to, to share that it's really important just to have a healthy cycle. Yes. If you 100%. live with a lifestyle like that, it's going to benefit it. And a healthy cycle creates a fertile cycle. Definitely. And yeah. a healthy cycle, you know, a health, well, your period, I, I love to, you know, quote Lara Bryden here where she says, um, your period is your report card for your health. And so if you're having a healthy cycle and a healthy period, you know that you've been doing well health-wise, you know, if your period's on time, if it's a good length, if you're not having any symptoms around that, then it means that your body's, all of the systems of your body are working together to support a nice flow of your hormones and, you know, an ovulatory fertile cycle. So, you know, I think like why wouldn't you want to make healthy choices to live your healthiest, happiest life? You know, sometimes we have this external factors like stress and travel or whatever it might be where we're out of routine and we're not making, you know, great choices in terms of our health and well-being. But just remember your body is extremely, as much as it is sensitive, it's also extremely resilient. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's designed to adapt and to keep you alive. (laughs) And so if you give it the opportunity to, you know, if you say you've had a bad couple of weeks or you're like, oh, I've just been, you know, out drinking and then I fell pregnant like that night and I was, you know, heavily intoxicated. What's this baby going to be, you know, like or whatever, you know, have I been not looking after myself prior to this pregnancy? Just know that you can make the changes at any stage and it'll be all right. Your body will come back into health and, and wellness. It wants to get back to that place of homeostasis. And also it's that environment in pregnancy is very protected. So, you know, if you're lucky enough to fall pregnant easily and make it through that first trimester, remembering, you know, that little environment within your uterus where their baby is growing is sure it's part of your body but it's also its own it's got its own filtration and it'll take what it wants from you it's got its own agenda (laughs) around you know you can be violently sick and not eating well but your baby can be completely healthy you know and it's just because it it takes priority in that in in a healthy pregnancy and so at the end of it you might be left like totally drained from (laughs) that experience, but, you know, your baby has taken priority and it will be okay. (laughs) It will be okay. And I've shared this a couple of times in this series so far and probably more like episodes to come is um, my partner, Brenton has said, um, not been very happy with me when I've described the baby like a leech. Yeah. (laughs) 
is sucking the life out of me. And, you know, ultimately, like, we we can be the drained mothership, yes. but, you know, the controller is totally fine having a party down there. So, um, <laughs> yeah, really, really good add-on. So thank you. And to circle back to what we are talking about with the timeframes, mm-hmm. love that you mentioned about men and three months because, yes. you know, like, excuse my language, piece of piss, three months, oh, that's nothing, you know. Um <laughs> But for for women and those who are the egg carrier, you could say, that obviously sometimes can change depending on age bracket. And yeah. I say that knowing that I'm birthing at 37. Yeah. You know, like totally aware of that. You know, medical system would be like, oh, you're a geriatric mother. You've got no hope at this time of your life. But I'm a really big believer, you know, being proactive in your health and doing daily things to support your well-being overall and then also your cycle health plays a huge role in that. And all those nutrients that you mentioned are so important. And it does take two to kind of tango. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you are in preconception care, that it's really important to look at the whole picture of what's included there because an egg is just an egg without a sperm, but an egg and a sperm together is an embryo, you know? So like it does take two. And um, something that you mentioned before I ask you about what, you know, what we can do together as a, as a couple or as a partnership is um, I know in fertility and I teach this in cyclical school, is that sperm also have this, you know, little layer on the outside that's required to be healthy to penetrate the outside of the egg or the ovum for implantation. And most people have no idea. I'm like, if your fucking sperm are dehydrated Mm -hmm. or they're intoxicated and swimming Mm -hmm. in circles or zigzags or going backwards, like there's no way that that male you know, malnourished and malinformed sperm is going to find through the massive journey it needs to take that egg. And um, it just goes to show that whilst we do a certain amount of work in conception as the the ovulator, there's actually a lot that goes on, you know, for males too. And I think a lot of, and I'm going to categorize heterosexuals here, a lot of women are like, well, you know, I plan the birth and I birth the baby and I grow the baby and then I feed the baby. Like it's my thing. I need to take responsibility of the preconception, but it really is a true to tango thing, right? So what's your outlook on that? 100%. And you're absolutely right. Like women do take a lot more responsibility around their fertility journey. You know, I've I've seen it with couples time and time again. You know, I'll have a, a couple having trouble falling pregnant, but I'm only seeing seeing the the female, you know, and it's like, okay, well, you've been trying for three months, nothing's happened, Um, you know, you you need to get a semen analysis done and then it takes like another three months for them to get around to doing it, you know, and they're, you know, time's ticking by and they're getting more and more stressed about why it isn't this month and, you know, it's what's wrong with my body, is it because I you know, I'm not sleeping well or doing this or using tampons or you know, whatever it might be. It's all like things. all the things, you know, you just like you, you guilt yourself into to feeling like something's wrong with you when when it could very easily be, a con, you know, your partner contributing to your fertility issues. So I always encourage couples to do a semen analysis early um, because, 
Men's fertility rates, I don't know if you've seen it on the news. I've recently updated all the research for the Cyclical School Natural Contraception and Fertility course and, yeah, they're um, not extremely high. It's not good. <laughs> it's not good. The The decline in, in men's fertility over the last, um, I think, 30 years has been really significant. Um, so Huge. We're not just talking like 50%. We're talking like more like just to put it into perspective it's a lot of decline yeah I think it's coming up to um in terms of men contributing to fertility issues in couples that are trying to conceive it used to be about 50 50 but I think now it's like about 60 65 percent of fertility issues of male related the most the most recent research that I've done, and that this would have been like in August, September when I was putting all of this content together, is that it's like one third, so like 33 or 34% is the woman's mm-hmm. yep. contribution. And then 33, 34% is the male's contribution. And the rest is a combination of both. Mm-hmm. So if you look at that, it really kind of breaks down to be 50-50, but depending on each person's individual relationship and also health status, there's always going to be one person in a couple that's a little bit healthier or a little bit less healthy than the other. And so we need to take that into consideration too. And um, this, yeah, this is a whole world we could explore right here. So (laughs) back to you. And I think too, unfortunately, men aren't always as proactive about, you know, um, starting a family as women are. And so it's kind of like, oh, yeah, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, I don't really care. I'll just keep living my life, you know. But for women, their, you know, attitude towards it is so much more complex, multitude of factors. Definitely. And I'm probably being a little bit generalising here. <laughs> but, you know, I think men just don't, they're not as willing to change. And so if you're, you know, drinking like a carton of beer a week or if you're working in an environment that, you know, you're using a lot of chemicals as a tradie or if you're bike riding, if you're, um, you know, really. Oh, whatever it might be, you know, they're not as willing to change those lifestyle habits. Yeah. Um, improve the quality of their their sperm to to improve the quality of their offspring you know it's like the next generation you've got to sort of zoom out a little bit and think about okay well you know I want to have survival of the species and the healthiest ones come through so whatever I can do to improve their you know brain health their physical health and you know their their home environment and and be a good role model then you know making those changes now um for me is going to you know mean that it's going to be a healthier happier pregnancy you know you know better outcomes for for bob and um and mum as well and a healthier environment in the home for them to grow it up in so I think it's just a little bit of that um, gentle education around, um, you know, the men's role in in starting a family. It's not all about just providing financial support. It's also, you know, looking after the, all of the other factors that go into making um, 
a healthy, happy child. You're spot on. And we actually have a couple of episodes after this episode that kind of talk about that. And we have a man coming to talk about transitioning to fatherhood and how that kind of plays out and being the provider. Um, So yeah, really good, super informative. And I think, you know, it's really reflective when we think about, you know, we no longer live in like the patriarchal only world. Like, yes, it is largely patriarchal still, but we no longer live in the world where women just do the things that they're designed to do and that's it. You know, like men are coming to the table and doing things in a way that they've never done before. And whilst my dad might not have gone and had a semen analysis before I was conceived, you know, we have this, you know, more abundant research that we can we can look at and, the you know, labs that, you know, we can have done. And I think, you know, if any couple is experiencing challenges is that it should be taken on together, not individually. And I know in my situation, and I was quite surprised by this, I didn't know this, but I obviously talk about it a lot. He hears me talk about it a lot is Brenton came home one day. He's like, I had my semen tested today. And I was like, you what? He's like, yeah, well, you know, we're planning this year is going to be the year we conceive. And, you know, I heard, I've heard you mention it. So I thought I'd just go to the doctor and get my semen test. I was like, oh, okay, like, cool. And you know, very surprised. I was very surprised. So proactive. <laughs> Not normally always that proactive, but yeah, very proactive. And it was interesting because then that led us to have the conversation of like, great. So are you, like, are we ready to enter our, our preconception window? Mm. Now, I already knew I'd been doing a lot of things, you know, specific for that for a long time, but he hadn't really been doing many things specific. And so I, you know, (laughs) approached this topic by asking like, so what are we doing, you know, to do this preconception window? And from that, you know, there was a conversation of, okay, what are you committed to doing for three months to him? You know, and he's like, oh, what, three months? Like, why do I have to do it? Like, so, well, it takes a long time to make really good sperm. Like I don't, I, I don't want just the bottom of the barrel. I want the top of the, like the cream of the crop. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, there was a bit of backlash. Love you, babe, babe, if you're listening to this, but there's a little bit of backlash about like wanting to change, you know, some takeout habits that he just loves and that's who he is. And he loves that. And I'm very happy that he has that for himself, but I was like, how can we change that for this time frame? And I had to ended up, I ended up saying to him here that like, look, you only have to do three months. I have to do nine months Mm. and then birth and then postpartum. So technically that's like a year and a half. Plus if you add the three months of also preconception care for me, we're looking at kind of close to two years. Would you mind managing three months? You know, it was kind of like putting it a bit more into perspective and we always joke about it. But if you are having hesitancy from your partner, like have an open, vulnerable discussion about that and say, Hey, like, I don't feel like you're coming to the party or, you know, this is a we thing, not just a me thing. You know, what can we do about that? Do you have any guidance or tips on that, that you've seen in clinic around couples, you know, working together or not working together? Yeah. And, you know, I think there's, there's definitely people I've seen that are all in, you know, they're like super supportive, whatever I can do. I'm in, like, we want this together, both you know, 100%. And then there's other couples that are like one's in and and one's out. And I think my advice there is if you're feeling in that situation where it's a me thing and not a we thing, 
is to root out really what the, like you said, have an open, vulnerable conversation, but what are the fears? Like what are your fears? And acknowledge them and and work through them. Is it that I'm too old, that I I don't want to be laughed at picking up the kids from school or that I'm not going to have the energy to um, run around after a toddler or that if you've had children in a previous relationship and then that relationship hasn't worked out and you're onto a a new relationship, like, do you feel like, okay, well, I don't want to have children again because I've I've done that in my first relationship and, okay, well, you're working through all of those things to really be on the same page and be walking that journey side by side together is really, really important and, just coming back to, you know, looking after yourself, number one, and your own, you know, health and well-being, loving yourself, working through your own issues as priority, top of the pyramid, and then working through, you know, the health and well-being of your relationship as as a couple. And then, you know, that that foundation establishing that, you know, based off of love and um, you know, similar interests and, and, and growing together and um, those those foundational things of, of trust and respect and uh, being at that point to then say, okay, yes, well, we really are ready to have a family and children come into that fold because I know that I'm okay, you're okay, and we're okay. Mm. You know, just getting those, those things kind of nutted out first to then say that, okay, well, we really do, you know, we're committing to to a, a long-term future together of um, having a child, which is not just getting pregnant. You know, it's not just. It's not a goldfish. You know, it's, you know, you go through those different phases of, you know, I've, I've got two teenage daughters now, you know, 17 and, and nearly 15 and um, the pros and cons of, of all the different baby stages and, you know, primary school and then high school and then, you know, we're moving to a new phase. Like it's not like it just ends at a certain point. (laughs) You know, I'm no longer a parent anymore. You know, it's a a long-term lifetime commitment. Mm. And so, you know, who you're doing that with and making sure that you're on the you know walking step by step side by side together is is really important Mm, thank you for sharing and speaking to that and it is it's like you are a parent forever (laughs) and I'm going to say something really it's the hard truth here and I really see this a lot and I mention this to people when I'm supporting them in learning natural contraception and fertility for themselves coming off hormonal synthetic hormonal contraception is that if you're with a partner and like this, must, this is a hard truth for a lot of people. So if you're listening to this and this feels hard, just see how your body's responding to this. You know, don't overthink it. Is that if you're with a partner who is not supportive of you coming off, say the IUD or the the pill, stopping the pill, for example, because of their priorities, if they can't support you in that as a couple, because it is a couple thing. Like you don't, you can just go have sex on your own. You don't need a pill for that. You know, like. This is the this is the thing together, right? If they're unsupportive in that process, how supportive are they going to be in preconception? Then how present and supportive are they going to be in pregnancy and your choices in pregnancy because it's happening to your body? 
And then how supportive are they going to be about your preferences for birth and where you desire to birth? And then your preferences for postpartum support and how you desire to be supported in that phase is a lot of this is in the earlier phases. And I would just encourage you to challenge and explore that. It's like I just full stop there to end that. But I think it's something that a lot of people miss. And I, I'm like, okay, if you feel like this now in this relationship, is this the relationship that you can see doing all these other huge big steps with? Are they going to be on your team? Like, are you a team together or you're playing in different teams? Like, is this is this a Super Bowl you're playing against each other or you're on the same team, you know? <laughs> um, but let's bring it back to nutrition. Yeah. Um, planning things that we can do for a healthy conception and those very important first few weeks of implantation, embryo, growing mitosis, amplifying. Um, what are some of like the top tips that you think are great for us all to do? Um, and then let's move into like egg quality because I think that's a really big to- topic to discuss too. So let's start with what are the general things that you would recommend and then we can migrate to there. So I would just generally say clean up, clean up across the board, clean up your diet, clean up your environment, um, clean up your lifestyle. So nutritionally, you really want to ensure that you're eating organic as much as possible, clean eating as close to nature as possible, you know, so that you're having good choices for breakfast, snacks, lunch, mid-afternoon, dinner, you know, that you're covering yourself for for protein, um, you know, healthy carbohydrates and good fats. And, you know, there's so many different diets out there from paleo to, you know, vegan to... Um, no, gluten-free. Gluten-free. You Breatharian. Know. <laughs> All of them. There's a lot, right? So I think... Um, you know, what I would consider an ideal diet might not fit for somebody that has got limitations in their diet. Um, and, and you know, that's okay so long as you feel like you're meeting your important things around, okay, am I getting enough protein in there? Am I, you know, eating a good variety of carbohydrates, which includes, you know, fruits and vegetables and unprocessed foods and ensuring that we're getting good fats in there, including, you know, nuts and seeds or choosing full fat options or whatever it might be in your, you know, diet that you can achieve those um, those goals nutritionally um, and, and still sort of working within, you know, if you've got allergies or sensitivities or what it, whatever it might be. Um, definitely if you're struggling, you know, um, go back to that simple thing of what would I do if I was pregnant and how would I be eating if I was pregnant um, and and just ensuring that you're making healthy, healthy choices uh, for both, you know, you can just do that together as a couple. Totally. Household. Household wise. Right. So, you know, make smoothies together, do salads, you know, have have your, your fish or your meat or your make eggs. dinner instead of takeout. Yeah. Yeah. You know, do that at home. Um and and meal prep and and 
you know, be prepared for those times where you're, you know, I am working late or I am having a busy day. I just, I need you, I, I need to, have, you know, pull out some soup out of the fridge or, um, you know, have have some pre-prepared meals or, you know, there's so many options these days for eating healthy um, conveniently, you know, and that might be like a food service, um, you know, like HelloFresh or Solara or meal um, muscle share for whatever it might be, you know. Um, so just find something that works, works for you. Uh, when I say clean up your diet, it's also like around chemicals as well. So that you're avoiding, you know, plastics and heating up leftovers in plastics or eating takeaway, you know, Chinese or Thai food in plastic or, you know, noodles that are in, in, in plastic containers that have got chemicals that leach into your food. So you've got to consider sort of all of those, those things. People just kind of aren't aware that plastic is so infiltrating into our foods and we're consuming that and that plays a massive part on female as well as male hormonal and fertility and in, in, in your health. So really cleaning up getting rid of plastics, using glass, um, and and try to just keep food in a, as close to its natural state as possible. If you're looking at something and you cannot imagine where it came from or what it used to be, you probably shouldn't be eating it. <laughs> or if you can't read the ingredients on the food list, <laughs> yeah. like maybe your body's not supposed to digest that if you yeah. can't read what that word is. Yeah. And just a little rant on that. I am so, excuse my language, I am so fucking surprised how many people don't realize that there is multidextrin in milks that you go and get your healthy turmeric latte in or your coffee in just because you're having almond milk. It continues to surprise me because I only drink milk if it doesn't have any of that stuff in. Yeah. You know, it has to just literally be the milk. Like it's a plant-based milk because I prefer to avoid dairy. Um, and there's like on the Gold Coast where we live, I think there's two places that I know of that do it. Mm-hmm. Everywhere else is just no. And so you just don't know, even if that small, simple thing, it has this. And if you saw, I know, I think you might've seen this in the factory, right? But if you saw what maltodextrin looks like. Oh, yeah. It's Before bad. it goes into anything, you do not want that shit in your body. Anyway. Um, you can't imagine what it would be in nature. <laughs> right? I was like, how did it go from like this plant? It's like stevia. Like how did it go from this green plant to white? You know, okay, let's just use or like, you know, raw honey from locally yeah, sourced yeah. places. Um, so much in that. And I love what you mentioned about like, you know, removing the processed foods and just focusing on clean fruit and veg. And this is all stuff that actually supports postpartum. So if you're able to do this in this preconception phase, come postpartum, it's going to be a really great, like easier integration because you've already explored a lot of these things together whilst you both have the attention to do that. Um, And if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I didn't do any of that for my first pregnancy, like there's always time to do it again if you choose to be pregnant again in the future, like there's plenty of time. So Love this. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, Let's talk about egg quality. Now, I know that you mentioned about sperm, like sperm health and age of sperm. And there is that age bracket thing with, you know, more so for females than what there are for men about, 
oh my God, like my time bomb is ticking and haven't met the right partner yet, which I think is a really big thing. And the fertility rate is declining globally. And, you know, couples are birthing much later in, you know, the mother's age brackets than what they ever have ever before. And so a big question around that is egg quality. Mm-hmm. Because the older we get, I hate saying this, but the older the eggs are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sperm can be sperm at 30, at 25, and at 65. Obviously, that changes too, but just not as dramatically. So there's a really big call around how do I improve the egg quality, you know, so that I'm not just having a healthy ovulation, but I also have healthy eggs. And I think this is a really big question for those who are in that 35 plus bracket entering 40. I've got a lot of people I know who are 40, 41, 42, who are like, I just, I've only just met the partner, you know, that I would love to do this journey with. And I'm concerned about my egg quality. Like I'd be working on this much earlier, but what can we do nutritionally to support egg quality, regardless if we're 25, 35 or 40? Well, I think a big thing is synthetic chemicals. Mm Mm-hmm and synthetic hormones as well. So, you know, in that scenario of um, I'm 42, I finally met the partner that I want to do this with, like, you know, the question is what have you been doing for contraception for the last 10 years? Like have you been on the on the pill or have you had right. the IUD or have you had the Implanon or, you know, what has your body been soaking up like a sponge for, for the last yeah. And 20 years. 20 years, right. And 20. Some people it is 20, you know, they go on and they're 16 and they, I mean, yeah, go on. And so that, that'd be like my first priority is just having an understanding of that. Like, and if you're 20, say, or, you know, 25 and um, you've been on the pill for 10 years since you were 15, right, then it's like, okay, well, I've come off the pill, I, I want to have a baby and, that's great, but your body needs some time to recover from those synthetic hormones that you've been, you know, soaking up like a sponge. So that plays a big part in your egg quality because your hormones are going to influence your egg quality. And then your all of the nutrients in your blood are going to form that follicular fluid, which acts like fertilizer for the egg. And so you want to ensure that, you know, your nutritional status is good and antioxidants are the probably the top of the list of things that you can do to improve your egg quality. It's like the best fertilizer for your eggs. <laughs> so love that analogy. Pump those antioxidants in. And, you know, you can do that through your diet. You can do that through, you know, um, drinks, you know, food and drinks. You can do that. Great supplements like Fem 21. Do that through supplements. Um, But also you've got to ask yourself what is um, causing oxidative stress on your body to rob you of those antioxidants. And ageing, unfortunately, is one of those things that just causes oxidative stress the longer you're alive, the more oxidative stress that your body deals with um, as we decline into. <laughs> as we age. <laughs> you know, the closer we are to those telomeres shrinking to, you know, nothing um, and we're done. But I think 
um, it's important to remember for women um, to take the clock, the biological clock off the wall. You know, don't look at it because you can be a really healthy 40-year-old and have great quality eggs and, you know, super fertile at 40 or 45 or 47, I think the eldest lady is that I helped conceive. And didn't Hilary Swank just give birth to twins at 48? Great. I think I I just saw that like a few weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think, you know, it's not like every day I'm getting older and my window is closing because if you're thinking like that and you've got that pressure, that's just going to cause a lot more stress and you Mm -hmm. won't be thinking clearly around your choices and what is in front of you on a day-to-day basis or a cycle-to-cycle basis. And so you've also got within your ovary stem cells as well. So they're like blank cells that can become follicles and eggs at all different stages of your life. And that's when you hear of these like amazing miracle pregnancies that occur like after chemo or, you know, um, like, when they haven't had a period for years and they thought they were menopausal and, you know, those sorts. The rogue rogue ovulation. Rogue ovulation. And so I think you've just got to, you know, appreciate that, yes, we're born with our eggs and they start developing as we start cycling through, through puberty. But, you know, if you're interrupting that with synthetic hormones and contraception, then that's going to put you on the back foot for your fertility, you know, later in life. Mm. Um, So, you know, as much time as you can give yourself to look after your hormonal health will definitely put you in a better place fertility-wise and with equality. And so, yeah, it's oxidative stress, which could can be chemicals in your environment. It can be things that you're putting on your skin. It could be getting your nails done like every two weeks and colouring your hair or what makeup you're using or lipstick that you're consuming on a daily basis for years and years and years and ingesting that. Um, and, you know, it's like those sorts of changes can definitely make it a, a, a big difference to not just your fertility and your egg quality, but your overall health as well. Um, You know, sorting your gut health out and making sure you're eliminating toxins efficiently, um, drinking good quality water and keeping your body flushed and, you know, minimising like alcohol and caffeine and, you know, smoking or vaping or whatever, you know, lifestyle things that are causing more oxidative stress for you, um, it, it compounds as you age because you've just got a longer period of time of doing that and that sponge is soaking that up for a longer period of time. Mm. So, yep, squeeze it out, clean it up and, um, you know, focus on those, those uh, antioxidants and the things that improve cellular health, right, like um, your omegas, methylation support with your B vitamins, you know, good prenatal, um, CoQ10, vitamin E, vitamin A, vitamin C, you know, zinc, magnesium, 
uh, are all really selenium, all really helpful, ensuring your thyroid's working well, you've got adequate thyroid hormones supporting that that egg growth and development. Um, because it's not, you know, it, it it's not like an overnight thing. It, it's a period that you're working on for, you know, that three to six months. And sometimes longer depending on your starting place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I love how you started it with understanding that, well, let's just look at what you've been on hormonally with a synthetic hormone for a long time. And I, it really just rung to me when you were like, okay, so what did you start using when you were 16 and now you're 36 and that's 20 <laughs> years? Like for me, I went on the hormonal contraceptive pill. I was on it for 12 years and I came off the pill, I think I was 27. And it was after that that I discovered that I had PCOS. But I literally dedicated the next four or five years, even without a partner, to cleaning up my shit show. (laughs) Like it sounds crazy, but like I also had leaky gut, so I was really determined to clean up the shit show. And I just kept doing that because those things that I did just became part of my lifestyle. And so I just wanted to share that is that there's no such thing as too early. You know, like having healthy, fertile eggs means that you have a healthy, fertile cycle. And that's the whole purpose of born women on the planet is to procreate in that way. Like that's what we're designed to do. And that's why men can just flip it over in three months. And for us, it can take a lot longer. Um, Also love what you mentioned about um, being 42 and having a really healthy, you know, egg quality. Of course, egg quantity might be different, but quality. And I, I just love the saying, Mia, of like, don't let age be your cage. You know, you mentioned like take age off the wall. Like it doesn't need to cage you into fear of like, oh, everyone says I'm too old to have kids. And like if you are proactive and you live this lifestyle that is in accordance to a healthy, fertile, proactive lifestyle, you know, you have just a good chance as someone who's been binge drinking, smoking pot, doing all the drugs at 22. That's right. Like it's it's all relative and I think not enough people might go out of line here, not enough people explore all of this and understand all of this before approaching IVF, mm. yep. you know, and then this is where I'm like, I feel like I might be out of line, but like they don't even teach you in IV, in through the IVF process about like the importance of a healthy luteal phase. And do you have a healthy luteal phase? Because if you don't have a healthy luteal phase, implantation's not going to occur like accurately and in a healthy, long lasting way for you. Therefore, you'll have a misimplantation. And then there goes $10,000. When what if you just invested a year of learning about your body and your cycle and nourishing yourself? and dedicate that to connecting and regrowing new things in your relationship before investing that financial additional assistance because your body is fucking wise and knows what it wants when it wants it if you give it the right things. Yep, absolutely. And I think it's just, you know, that quick, easy solution, you know, unless you're ready, you're not willing to sort of do the work and do the digging and make the changes, you're like, okay, well, I'll just, you know, it hasn't happened, so I'll just do IVF. (laughs) And then a lot of fears put into that too, like, oh, you've got no other options or this is the, and I'm like, I challenge all 
Yes. You know, I challenge, like, does it really feel in your body that that's, that you have no other options? And how many stories have we heard about, you know, and this is nothing against people who have chosen IVF and it's been very probable for them, but I know of many people where it hasn't been probable. Mm-hmm. And the amount of people who have experienced IVF for their first or second child or both, and then all of a sudden they accidentally conceive at an older age with even more stress in their life because they've already got two kids and they don't need the, the the assistance of IVF. And that just is a great demonstration that there was nothing wrong in inverted brackets. It just wasn't aligned in the right way it needed to be aligned. Like you said, like get your ducks in order. Yeah. The ducks just weren't in the right line. They were in different lines. <laughs> and, I mean, don't get me wrong, I've supported you know, many, many couples through their IVF journey. It hasn't all just been natural fertility. And I'm really, you know, amazed at the technology and of medical science supporting, you know, women to have healthy pregnancies and healthy babies. And it's definitely got a really, you know, important place in. It does. I agree. Um, I just you know, wouldn't rush into it and ensure that you, you know, do all of the work individually and as a couple um, prior to embarking on that because that's a whole nother thing, you know. <laughs> and by doing that prior work, you actually are amplifying the use of IVF. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, as opposed to going in with no prior work. And so, all of this stuff that you've shared with us today in this episode is beneficial for everybody, yep. regardless of the journey that you're going on. And, you know, of course, IVF is essential for those who are, you know, women who decide that they like to mother on their own and they don't have a partner to mother with. Like, But all of these things still apply to you mm-hmm. and you can still do these things and, and move through these same processes and support your body in the same way. And I love that you know, we live in a world where we can actually take action individually first, like get a good foundation going. So if you do need any additional support, which is what I, you know, maybe people think differently, but I believe that's what medicine's for, additional support yeah, where necessary and where really needed. But it also requires foundation too. Yeah. Yeah, that's it, definitely. Mm. And it, it does you know, help doing that preconception work, whatever you want to call it, you know, just be like, okay, I'm, it's like doing a challenge at the gym or whatever, you know. You're just making a commitment to yourself to clean up, you know, be healthy and happy, sort your hormones out, track your cycle and ensure that, okay, well, when the time comes, you know, I'm ready, I've got this, you know, and whatever, like, that next phase throws at you, you know, you can embrace that and adapt and be a lot more resilient because you, you, you've been training. <laughs> you you've been prepping in the gym. Yeah. <laughs> this has been amazing, Mia. Thank you so much for sharing all of this beautiful wisdom and having some side rants with me about random topics on this topic. And um, I think these are the types of conversations that might sometimes be conflicting or challenging when you meet with your naturopath or your nutritionist or, you know, whoever your nutritional support person is in this preconception phase. But it's really important to know that, you know, our body is built 
on micronutrients and cells and cells grow from micronutrients and babies are grown from cells. And so this is really is an important foundation. It's not just like, I'm going to have a spiritual, you know, awakening and it's going to just happen like this. Like that happens too. And it's important, but also the cells grow from micronutrients, yes. you know? So just recognizing that this is a piece of the the pie and you, it's kind of like, you know, making a cake without a wet mix. Like it just doesn't work. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. So thank you so much. How can all of our listeners learn more about who you are, find you, connect with you? <laughs> What's the best platform for them to do that? Well, I probably would would go to Instagram at the moment, even though I'm, I'm sort of feeling a little bit funny about it at this, <laughs> at this very present time. Yeah, no, Instagram is probably the best way to um, connect with me, um, and then my handle's just uh, fem twenty one, and so you can DM me through there um, or go, head to fem twenty one dot com. That's my website. That's the product that I that I created for women to help improve their hormonal health. Um, so even though I'm not seeing clients in practice at this stage, you can still learn a whole heap about women's health and hormones through Fem21 and um, through the content and info I put up there on Insta and on my website. And, yeah, it's been great sharing on this platform with you, Gemma. I so appreciate it. And you're doing wonderful things to help empower and educate women um, all over Australia and the world. So keep up the good work and thanks for having me on. (laughs) Thanks, honey. You're so, so welcome. It's a real honour. And, yes, all the links to your amazing product, which I've known from the very, very, very beginning, um, fantastic. I love recommending it to people to use because I think it is additionally really good hormonal support. And people like to use a product that is ethically made, well-sourced, comes from a great place, which it does. Um, So I'll pop all those links in the show notes and thank you. I've got one final podcast question. Yes. What's one thing you kind of wish you had have known before you personally entered your own pregnancy journeys many, many moons ago? Um, That it's not all about the birth. Great. Okay. That's probably what I would say because when I was, sorry, without sort of (laughs) a whole other thing, when I was pregnant I um, was just so focused on having the ultimate birth. And obviously I was doing all the things good for healthy pregnancy and supporting myself through the different phases. But my I was just like, that's the end point. Um, but I really learnt so much from letting go of having a perfect birth and realising that that was just like a drop in the ocean for mm. the rest of the journey of parenthood Um, and I really think that the pre-work like preconception work the healthy pregnancy the breastfeeding all makes a huge difference to set your baby up for the healthiest happiest best life possible Um, and that the birth is not as important as you might think. Oh, I like that. Great tip. I'm putting that in my back pocket. Thank you. (laughs) 
It's been an honor. I'm so, it's yeah, so grateful to have you here. Thank you for sharing today. And I can't wait for everyone to reach out and connect with you. Thanks, Gemma. Thank you so much for tuning into every episode of the Well Woman podcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. If this episode excited you, please hit follow on Spotify, which means all of my episodes will pop up in your feed weekly so you never miss a weekly drop. I'd love you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts too. Love this episode? Come and follow me over on Instagram at wellsome underscore Gemily. Say hi and share what you've taken away from this episode with me. Now, is there a bestie, sister, or a friend who you know who might be fed up, frustrated, and confused with their cycles? Are they ready to join you in awakening their cyclical essence too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it on your socials, email it, text it, or any way you need to get it to them. So together, we can all live in flow, harmony, and balance with our cycles. Now, until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body, and remember, body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle.